0: Good evening. Did you miss me? I just um, returned from a very blessed, very anointed mission to Trinidad and Tobago. There were a lot of healings. There was a lot of deliverance, and God worked in powerful ways. But the highlight of the mission actually came towards the end, I was to go to an island, and I'm not going to mention the name of the island for uh, reasons that will soon become clear. Now when we reached the airport about to leave for the island, we discovered that the person who booked our tickets booked it for the previous day. So we didn't have tickets to go and we didn't have tickets to return. So we prayed, and God, if it is your will, take us there, not thinking that Even if we go there, we have a bigger problem, and that is to come back, because I had another flight to catch early the following morning that would bring me home. Anyway, as God willed it, there were many empty seats on the plane going, so we happily went. I gave my talks, and uh, they were very blessed. And then we set out to come back, and there were no seats on any of the flights that were to leave this particular island. But I have a friend, what's his name? And I turned to my friend, as I always do, in situations like this, and he said, don't worry, I will make sure that you board that flight the next morning. And when your friend says something like that to you, you relax and you take it easy. One hour passed, two planes took off without us. There were three of us, by the way. Another hour passed, and two more planes took off without us. The third hour passed, and it is hard not to get a little anxious, especially because you can't afford to miss this flight back home because it's a series of connecting flights. You go from this island back to the place where you need to fly out from. From there, you go to Houston. From Houston, you go to London. From London, you come here. But I turned to my friend, and again, he says, don't worry. God has kept you here for a reason. Find out what that reason is. So I turn and I look around, and I see a small little girl, about five or six years old, looking at me. She's just staring at me. And so I look at her, and I smile, and she smiles back. I have some bookmarks in my pocket, and I say, would you like some? And she said, yes, and I gave her one. She looks at her mother, who's kind of giving me very strange glances. Why is this strange man talking to my daughter? But the mother looked at the bookmarks, saw that I was a spiritual guy, and didn't seem to think too much of it. Two minutes later, this girl comes back and says, can I have a few more bookmarks for my friends? So I reach out into my pocket, and I give her a few more. And her mother approaches me and says, you're a pastor. And I said, yes, I am. I said, you have a very beautiful daughter. Is she the only one you have? And the mother said, I've been waiting for another child for the longest time, but uh, I've not been blessed with one. Can you pray with me? So I look around, um, you know, this is the middle of the airport. I see one security guard looking at me a little suspiciously, but I ignore him. I place my hand on this uh, child's head and I pray for her. Five minutes later, I finish praying. And the moment I finish praying, the airline attendant comes and says, Three seats have opened up. Please board the aircraft. (laughs) Good story. Not ended yet. We clear security. We clear immigration. We clear security. And the moment I clear security, a security guard stops me. Will you please pray over me? (laughs) And after he finished... Every single security guard in that airport asked for prayers right there in the middle of everybody. What witness? So put your hands together for God. For the beautiful way that He works in our lives because Romans 8.28 says, we Know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him. Come on, you can't forget. Say it again with me. We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him. We just need to believe in that, trust in it, and relax in it. And this story has a lot to what I have to share with you today, which is in many ways a continuation of my last talk, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, do you remember that? And in many ways a continuation of our brother Jamie's talk last week on Joseph. And because it is a continuation of my talk, what I'd like us to do is to sing that song again, okay? So can I invite Sister Olivia and Brother Mark to play and sing it for us? You know the words? All right. I need us to sing along. Look at Jesus. And think about the words that we're going to sing now. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry. Everything to God in prayer. Let's sing.
1: never be discouraged we should never be discouraged take it to the lord and pray Jesus Lord,
0: we all struggle with trials
1: with trials, with, trials.
0: with temptations,
1: temptations.
0: We, all we all have weaknesses, we come before you this evening,
1: you this evening. As,
0: a friend, as a friend, asking another friend to help us, us overcome it all.
1: Overcome it all.
0: And we believe that because you love us, Because there is grace flowing, we will all be set free here tonight. So we want to thank you, and we want to praise you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Please be seated. (laughs) The experience I shared with you in many ways has to do with the subject that I'm gonna speak about. But it's always good to go to the word of God because if we are to be free here tonight, and God said he is gonna set every one of us free, we need to go to his word. And this is what the apostle James writes, James chapter one, verse two. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith Produces perseverance. So let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Verse 12 Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, the person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Do you love God? When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt everyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. This is the word of the Lord. What was a trial in what I went through? And what was the temptation? Today we're going to attempt to answer a few questions, and I promise you, you're going to have new insights that you've not thought of before, maybe. We're going to ask, answer the question, what is a trial? What is the purpose of a trial? How do we overcome trials? We're going to answer the question, what is temptation? What is the purpose of temptation? And how do we overcome temptation? So in the story that I just narrated to you, the trial was having to wait at an airport, not really knowing whether we were going to get on a plane that would take us back to where we needed to be. The temptation was to believe the devil's constant whispering in the air, you're not going to make it. There's not going to be any flight and you're going to miss your connection it will take you home. Now, all of us go through trials like this. Let us assume, for instance, that you haven't had a job for a long time. In the beginning, your courage is firm, your belief is firm, your faith is firm. But as the days go by, you begin to wonder, you know, is God really by my side? Is He really going to give me a job It becomes even worse when the days turn to weeks and the weeks turn to months and the months turn to years. We face similar situations in our homes when one of our children is perhaps addicted to something and we begin to wonder when the days have gone by and the weeks have passed and the months have skipped through, are my children going to be delivered of the addictions that they have? Our businesses... Our relationships, a whole lot of things. In the beginning, we say, no, God is going to take us out of this situation. But eventually, we begin to doubt, is God really going to do it? Because he's not done anything so far. Now, what happens at moments like these? We need to understand that it is a normal thing, it is a natural thing to start to feel anxious, and even to start to doubt I struggled through the same thing, and I'm going to come back to that in a minute. But before that, I want to take you to the Bible, to one man all of you know. Have you heard of Daniel? All of you know? And all of you have heard the story about how he was tossed into the lion's den? I'm going to tell you the story because I know there are a lot of people here who are not familiar with the faith. Daniel was this very wise man who King Darius had appointed as one of his governors. Now, because Daniel was so exceptional in everything he did, King Darius decided that he was going to place Daniel on top of everybody else to rule over his entire kingdom, second only to him. I need not tell you that everyone started to get jealous and mad with the king and with Daniel. How can this man be placed over everybody else? So they looked for something in Daniel, in his character, and something that he did that they could take to the king and said, This is not a man that you should put in charge of the kingdom. But to their astonishment, they found nothing whatsoever they could accuse Daniel of. What an amazing thing. What an amazing thing. Don't we all wish that if somebody were to try to find fault with us, they would not be able to find even the littlest thing. Anyway, they couldn't find anything with Daniel. So what did they decide to do? Take something good that he did and turn it into a crime. And what is the good thing that Daniel always did? That was pray to God. So they went to King Darius and said, Darius, you need to proclaim a rule in your land that if anyone bows down before any god or person other than you, they'd be thrown into a den of lions. The king, not realizing what these people were up to, signed this into effect. And the very next moment, the courtiers presented him with the evidence that Daniel was one person who defied his edict. Now, the king was very fond of Daniel, but what is he to do except to fulfill his word? So he sent for Daniel and had him thrown in the lion's den with these words, May the God that you believe in protect you. Now, a lot of us imagine that Daniel went into that lion's den and sat there whistling like he didn't have a care in the world. But I am sure, I am in fact 100% positive that every time a lion so much as glanced towards Daniel, his knee started to knock. How can it not? Was he not human? Despite how strong our faith is, there will be moments when we start to worry, but I am equally certain that every single time Daniel started to shiver, he turned his eyes towards his friend who was God and said, God, that guy is looking at me. I think he's extra hungry. And God would have reassured him, don't worry. I am right by your side. Same thing happened to me. You think I was not anxious? I was anxious. Yeah? If I miss the flight, it's, it's going to mess everything up. And I'm supposed to be in Australia in two days, heading there. Everything would have got messed up if I missed that flight. So every time I got anxious, I turned to my friend, and he constantly assured me that I was going to make the flight on time just to continue trust him. And this is what your friend is saying to you here tonight. You're going through trials, and why do you need to go through trials? Listen to me. The reason you go through a trial is because God wants you to learn a lesson. Learn the lesson, pass the test He sets you, and the trial is over. You may want to write that down. Understand that God wants you to learn something. Learn the lesson, pass the test, and the trial is over. In almost 99 out of 100 times, I can guarantee you that this is what needs to be done. So if you have been struggling for a job, a week has passed, a month has passed, a year has passed, and you still haven't got a job, there is something that God wants to teach you and you're not learning it. So what do you need to do is you need to go to Him and say, God, what's the lesson? Help me to understand it. And having understood it, help me to pass it. Everybody listening to me? What did I say? Whenever you are facing a trial, God is trying to teach you something. Learn the lesson, pass the test, and the trial is over. Hallelujah. 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 Now, temptation is very different in that temptation is not from God. And in this passage that we just read, James puts it clearly that God cannot tempt anyone. So why would he mention that? That God is not going to tempt you because God cannot do any evil. The reason he does that is because many of us, when we are faced with temptation, sometimes blame God for the temptation. And this is right from the time of Adam and Eve, you know, passing the buck, blaming somebody else for the things that we do that are wrong. What happened after Adam and Eve sinned, right? God goes to Adam and he says, why did you do this? And what did Adam do? He blamed the woman. It's very convenient, right, to blame the woman for everything. But not only did he blame the woman, he also blamed God. He said, the woman you gave me, if you hadn't given me this woman, I wouldn't have sinned. So in the end, it's all your fault. So God turns to the woman and says, so why did you do it? He's blaming you. And what did the woman do? Blame the snake. Blame the serpent. Say, he made me do it. So that is what we always do. Blame the serpent. Say, Satan made me do it. Blame the environment around us. Blame the culture around us. Blame our, up, blame our upbringing. Right? Blame so many things. Blame everything except blame ourselves. You know, accept responsibility for the things that we have done. Going to God. Going to God, trusting that He will understand what you're going through. Because the Word of God says, Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15. We do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way. I want you to pay attention to these words. Tempted in every way, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I want to repeat this because these are profound words that we really need to understand. That whenever we approach Jesus, who is our friend. You don't need to expect condemnation because He understands every temptation that you've gone through because He has undergone the same temptation, every single one of them. Last time I told you to imagine you're God, right? I said, imagine you're God and the whole world turns against you. What are you going to do? I mean, I know what I'd do. i take a bazooka and i go boom, boom. Bazooka, because, you know, you blow them all at one time. What did God do instead? What did God do? He sent His Son, Jesus, to save us. Now imagine you're Jesus. Today I want you to imagine you're Jesus. You come down here on earth, and all you do is talk to people about love and peace and the good things and how they can accept salvation, and what do they do? They hang you on the cross. Now imagine you come back from the dead, Three days later, what do you want to do? You put me to death. Where's my bazooka? Watch any movie. Have you watched any movie where a guy has been killed and he comes back to life? The first thing he does is go and haunt the people who killed him. But what does Jesus do instead? He says, peace be with you. Peace be with you. Imagine that. Imagine the kind of person that God is. All because he wants to be your friend. Okay? So now when you approach this friend, this approach this friend who is the wisest friend you could ever have, this friend who sits at the right hand of God, when you go to him and you say, I am struggling, Lord, what does he do? He speaks to his father and says, I know what this child is going through because I've gone through pretty much the same. I've gone through every sort of temptation that they're going through and I understand what they're feeling. Be sympathetic towards them, Father. What they need is your grace. And the next moment, you find channels of grace just flowing over you, giving you the strength and you need. Not only that, not only that, the Holy Spirit is there with you, reminding you of the things that Jesus might have said to you in the past. Just this morning, I had this sister of mine ask me, Do you ever get jealous? You know, I always find it very funny that people would come and ask me, Do you get jealous? Do you feel proud? Do you feel greedy? And they always, I don't know what they expect of me. And I thought about this for a minute. And, you know, my first uh, uh, inclination was to say no. But then I realized that is not true. Because I have all these feelings, just like everybody else, just like every one of you. I am tempted as you are tempted. But where we might differ is the way that we react to the temptation. Now take jealousy for instance. I was in Trinidad and I heard that Benny Hinn was in town two weeks before me. And there were 10,000 people who attended his session and there were only 1,000 for mine. So what's the first thing that happens? You start to feel jealous. It's a normal emotion. But now this is where I differ. Instead of giving in to the jealousy, I turn to my friend. Who's my friend? And I said, Jesus, Lord, you know, he gets 10,000, I get only 1,000. This isn't quite right, is it? You know? He says, Anil, remember the story I told you about Peter and John. Now, you may not know this story, so I'm going to tell it to you, okay? In the last chapter of John, do you remember this time when Jesus goes to Peter and says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes. And Jesus asks Peter again, do you love me? And Peter says, Yes. And Jesus asks him for the third time, Do you really love me? And Peter says, How many times do I need to tell you? Yes, I love you. And then Jesus restores Peter and appoints him as the head of his church. Now, as they are walking, Peter sees John following behind him. And he says, What about him? The question implies, What are your plans for him? And Jesus says, don't worry about the plans I have for him. You worry about the plans I have for you. They are good plans. And Jesus reminded me of this story, and he said, don't look at anybody else. Just look at yourself and see the blessings I have given you. They are more than enough to last you a lifetime. And this is something that I need you also to understand. The next time you start feeling jealous of somebody you think sings better than you or writes better than you, or dance is better than you, or whatever. If you keep your eyes on the other person, you will never receive, understand the blessings that God has given you. But if you keep your eyes on the blessings that God has given you, forget about being jealous. You'll be too happy to be jealous because He's given you so much. So the answer to the question, do you feel jealous? Yes, I do. But then I turn to God and He tells me, there's no reason for you to be jealous, so I'm not jealous anymore. Do you understand me? Now all this is because, all this is because there's power in the Word of God. And if you want Jesus to help you with His Word, you need to know His Word. You know, just before Jesus died in John chapter 15, uh, John chapter 14, verse 15, He said, If you love Me, You will obey my commands. Next verse. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. Then in verse 26, he continues. And this counselor, the Holy Spirit, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Now, we don't live in the apostles' time. So how are we to remember or be reminded of the things that Jesus has said to us? Through his word. But if you don't know his word, then how will you be reminded of what Jesus says to you? Let me give you another example. How many of you feel proud over here sometimes when you've achieved something? Everybody. Everybody, yes? Now, even in my line of business, which is spiritual business, there is an inclination to become proud, you know? Um, forget about having 10,000. Sometimes you have 1,000 people in front of you and you think that is great. And you start to preen like a peacock. But then you turn to Jesus who's kind of looking at you and he reminds you. He reminds you of what? He reminds you of the sin of the devil, that the cause of the downfall of Satan was pride. And then he also reminds you of something that he has said in his word, that he opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So that is when you realize that, no, there is no point in being proud because when you are proud, God becomes your enemy and you don't want Him for your enemy. So it's better to be humble instead and receive His grace, is it not? And this is what we need. This is how the Word of God comes in to help us powerfully when we need. And whenever we need, you'll find, you know, the Holy Spirit whispering in our ear, see, this is what you need to keep in mind And this is what you need to do. Everybody with me? So we're all tempted. Now what happens to temptation? As we saw earlier in the first chapter that I read. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then... After desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. I know I need to illustrate this by something that many of you had seen before, but I cannot do any talk on temptation without this apple. You remember it? Yeah, you bear with me because I think there are about 60% of you have not seen this. So, anyone has an apple here? Ah, what are you doing? You too? My goodness me, we're in luck today. Two apples. What are you doing with this apple child? Uh, We're going to use both. Since you give me the apple, you come and be my model here. Come here. I promise you I'm going to do something different with this apple today. She's going to be my apple tree. You know, apples need a tree. So, can you please stick out your branches? Can I have that apple too? Where's that? An apple tree with two apples. That's so nice, okay? one second imagine if god says if you eat of this apple you're going to die and the devil comes to you with this apple and says eat it will you eat it no say loudly no no would you eat it
1: no would you would you definitely
0: not. definitely not okay So the devil knows this, the devil knows this. So what does he do? Nothing, hold it. Until one day, when you're looking at that apple, wondering why you shouldn't eat it, he comes along. What does he say? Beautiful, isn't it? (laughs) And what do you do? And then he says, do you wonder what it will feel like to bite into that apple and have the juices trickle down your throat? And what do you do? You start to wonder. He goes away. His task for that time is finished. Until the next time when you're standing there looking at this apple, only this time you're not wondering why God asked you not to eat it. You're wondering what it will feel like to bite into that apple and have the juices trickle down your throat, he comes again. What does he say? Beautiful, isn't it? And what do you do? And then he plucks, hey! <laughs> plucks the apple from the tree, and he says, Here. Yeah. Hey, wait there. Hold it. And you go, no, 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 no. And he says, Hold it. God didn't ask you not to hold the apple. Did he? he only asked you not to eat it? So you reason with yourself and you say, yeah, God didn't ask me not to hold the apple. He only asked me not to eat it. So you hold it. And then he says, feel it. I make a good devil, don't I? See how soft and smooth it is to the touch. So you feel it. And it is soft. And it is smooth. And then he says, smell it. God didn't ask you not to smell the apple,
1: did he? So you smell it. Oh. Oops. Oops.
0: Now the problem is I'm going oops, but I am still eating the apple. Because not only does it feel good, not only does it smell good, it also tastes good. So now we return to what? Hmm. You realize something is not good for you. But here's the attraction of doing something that is evil. That even though you know it is bad, and even though this apple tastes so good, you know inherently this is poisonous, and eventually it is going to corrode your insides, corrode your souls. What happens? You might keep it aside for a bit. You might say, I don't want anything more to do with that apple. I'm not going to eat it anymore. You keep going close to the tree, you keep looking at that apple. Say, God says, I shouldn't go near it. But you will hover around it. You will occasionally go and kind of feel it, you know, just to see what it feels like again. You will occasionally take it, pluck it, and smell it, just to see what it smells like again. And what happens? What happens? Before long, this apple has got your soul in its control. Consider any addiction that you have today. What happened? Some friend of yours said it wouldn't hurt to have a beer. So you decide to yourself, yeah, drinking is not a sin. Scripture doesn't say anything about it. The church doesn't teach about it, so you have a beer. The next day somebody says, let's go for a party. So you go for a party, and this time instead of one beer, you have two beers. doesn't matter that you fall sick. You remember the taste, and you remember the feeling. Next week you go for another party. This time you have three. And before you know it, all you're doing... He's drinking beer after beer. Beer finally doesn't do the trick for you anymore. So you move to vodka. Vodka doesn't do the trick for you. Eventually you move to whiskey. And before you know it, you're drinking and drinking and drinking. And alcohol has got you by the throat. And now you say, I want to get rid of it. You should have stayed away the first time temptation came your way. Do you understand what I mean by death? That applies to everything. Everything. Pornography. First time you look at it, it probably disgusts you. I know it disgusted me. I mean, the things that you see, why do I wanna see somebody else's naked body? But then the second time you watch it, it's not so bad. The third time you wanna see more. The fourth time you let your mind get into action. By the seventh or eighth time, there you are, busy getting on your computer, watching to see what you can download. And before you know it, what's happened? It's got you under its control. We talk about possession. What is possession? It is giving in to sin so many times that eventually the sin takes control over you. And then you go to God and God says, I warned you. You should have read my word. I warned you to stay away from all these things. But you never listened. You just wanted to do your own thing to give you pleasure for a little while and see where your pleasure has got you. And eventually that is what happens. And you know the greatest punishment. Pleasure is its greatest punishment because there you are wanting to break free, and you can't. But then, good thing for us, we have a friend in Jesus who's been tempted in every way. And you go to him and say, free me. And he frees you. How does he free you? How does he free you? He says, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted more than you can bear. But when you're tempted, he's also prepared a way out so that you can stand under it. And here is a question a lot of people would ask. Why does God allow us to be tempted? How many times have you asked that question? Why would God, who despised sin, allow us to be tempted? And the answer can be found in the very first chapter of Job. Have you heard of Job? Job was a man who was very blessed. Why was he blessed? Because he feared God. He obeyed God in every single way and in exchange for his obedience or maybe as a way of blessing him, God gave him everything he needed, everything he needed. One day the devil came to God and God said, you know, you mess around with a lot of my guys, but look at Job. Job never disobeys me, obeys me in everything. And the devil says to God, that's because you built a hedge of protection around him and you give him everything that he has. Take away that and see how quickly he turns from you. So God said, okay, you can do whatever you want with him with the exception of touching his life. So what did the devil do? He had Job lose everything, all his cattle, all his money, even his family. What did Job do? Naked I came into this world Naked, I will leave it. God has given me, God has taken away. Praise be the Lord. That is the faith of this man who understood that everything he had came from God. So if God wants to take it away, so be it. And this is what we need to have too. But the point of this story is God loves us enough to give us freedom of choice. God doesn't bind us and say, you better do this. God says, you choose what you want to do. If he only blesses us, then obviously we're going to choose only God. But if the blessings are taken away and we have to struggle, God wants to see, will this person still choose me? Are you going through a struggle now? You're here. It's a sign that you are still choosing God. But I know that many of you sitting over here are discouraged and wondering how long it will take before God takes the struggle away. How long will it take before your burden is over? How long will it take before you are delivered? God says tonight, for many of you, you want to be delivered of your addictions, I will set you free tonight. But you need to do something. You need to want to be free. You need to long for it and you need to be prepared to do whatever it takes to be free. And if he sees that in you now, I promise you, you will leave here with your chains, not just opened, but your chains crushed to pieces. But you've got to want it. It doesn't do to go to God and say, God, deliver me of my addiction to alcohol when you have a bar cabinet that is full of bottles. It doesn't do to tell God to set you free of pornography when you have a computer that is filled with the worst kind of smut you can imagine. It doesn't do to say to God, deliver me of this adulterous relationship when all you're thinking about is spending time with this man or this woman again. It doesn't do to ask God to free you of other kinds of addictions when you have access to the things that will make you sin. Nowadays, one of the greatest scourges of human beings Our chat programs where you can communicate with just about anybody you want in total anonymity and do the most vile things imaginable. WhatsApp, Messenger, all these chat programs and I can practically guarantee you that at least 20% of the people sitting over here are chatting with somebody or the other, and the chats are not anything that you would ever want to make public. If your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better to enter life maimed or crippled than to have two hands and two feet and be thrown into the fires of hell. If your eye causes you to sin, it is better to gouge it out and throw it away. It is better to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hellfire. So if you want deliverance here today, and I'm promising you, I'm promising, I saw so much of deliverance when I went to Trinidad, simply because people were willing to let go of everything. Which means you go home, you have a problem with alcohol, without any thought, you destroy all the alcohol that is there in your house. I did that once. I used to be an alcoholic. I don't think I've shared this story with you before. But one day I invited all my neighbors. I gave them all two bottles each and I had good alcohol, expensive alcohol. And they were very happy because I, they thought I was gonna ask them to take it home. Except the next moment I got to a bucket and I kept it in the center and I said, I want you to open those bottles and pour the contents in. I never drank after that. I never even had the desire to drink after that. That is what God wants to see of you. You're addicted to pornography. What is it that tempts you? What is it that tempts you? Whatever it is, put an end to it now. Put a security system on your computer so that all the things that you see can be seen by everybody in your house. If you have pornography over there, get rid of it. Magazines, books, go and burn them. Whatever you need to do, do it. If you're addicted to chatting and the chats are sexual, or even if they're innocent but they're not with people that you're supposed to, delete them off your phones and off your computers. If your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. That's Matthew chapter 18, 8 and 9, by the way. So, if you're willing to do this, See what God does. Today, I see a lot of people shocked here, which is, which is kind of bad because this is going to be my last talk for a week. But it's also kind of good because I can sense that God is speaking to your hearts and He's saying, why don't you do it? Why don't you do it? And I want to tell you what I told those people in Trinidad before God set them free. I said, you think these things bring you pleasure, and they do, but the pleasure is only for a little while. In most cases, it's only for a few minutes, not even a few hours. Are you willing to jeopardize all of salvation for a few minutes of pleasure, really? Are you willing to do that? You know, there was a man called Esau, who one day returned from hunting, and he saw his brother cooking a broth of stew. Esau was the elder of the two and he was entitled to all the blessings that God wanted to give him. But at that particular moment, Esau was very hungry. So when his brother told him, I will give you a bowl of stew if you give me your birthright, Esau just traded it in. And I always wondered, how can a man be so stupid? How can a person be so foolish as to give his birthright away just for a bowl of food until I realize that all of us do the same thing. But for a few moments, for a few moments of pleasure, we sell eternity. And honestly, it's no deal. It's no deal. So here is something for everybody. And I think in a way all of us are addicted to something or the other. Don't. Give it up and see how free you're going to be here tonight. Jesus is your friend. Last week we had God the Father stretching his hand out towards you. Today of have Jesus doing that. He says, come. I want you to be free. And the reason I want you to be free is because I want you to live the abundant life that I promised you. But you can't live any kind of abundant life if you're burdened. And you are burdened. Give it all to me. Give it all to me. Take my yoke upon you and see how fresh and wonderful you feel. I want us to fly out of here today.
1: What do you say we do? Yes? Hallelujah. 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 Now there's something I want to say to
0: you. Almost every person is not able to open his mouth and say hallelujah. Is a person who's struggling with something and is not gonna give God at all. Almost guaranteed. Almost guaranteed. Because you cannot praise God if the devil is there inside you and he's doing whatever he can. You're not going. You're not going. And if you dare to go, I'm going to come and I'm going to crush you and I'm going to make your life miserable. Tell him to go to hell. That's where he belongs. So when we say hallelujah, with all our hearts, with the desire to be free, and I promise you, and I promise you, you will understand what it means to be flying in the spirit when you let everything go and let God. Okay? So, Open your mouths. I know some of you are not used to this. Trust me. Please. You've trusted enough to come here. That's God. Trust him enough to know that he's going to deliver you. If you just praise his name. Not my name. His name. God is in the hallelujah.
1: Okay? Hallelujah. 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 Stand up. Raise your hands. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah.
0: Lord God, I pray for your spirit to come here. I pray for your spirit to come here in great power and great might. Lord God, there are enough of us over here who are turning to you, high priest, who sits at the right hand of the Father asking for help. But we ask for assistance not only for ourselves, we ask for assistance for our brothers and sisters, we pray for our families, we pray for our parents, for our brothers, for our sisters, for our children, who might be addicted to anything from shopping and food, to pornography and games, whatever we are addicted to, Lord, set us free, set us free here today so we can testify to the world what it means to be free. We don't want to be enslaved to sin anymore, Lord, because you have come here and died so that we might be free. It is only a foolish man who would choose slavery over freedom, especially freedom in you when we can get all the blessings you have to give us. So, Lord, here we cry out for ourselves, for our brothers and sisters who may not be able to ask you to deliver them and ask you for them to set all of us, Lord, free of the chains that bind us. Help us to open our mouths, Help us to open our hearts. And after we call out to you, Lord, we pray for a mighty anointing of your spirit. Let it move here like a gush of fierce wind that will take away everything that is not of your kingdom and leave in its wake everything that is. Peace and joy and happiness, contentment, united families, families that are liberated, men and women who no longer seek the evil of this world, who seek to break Innocence, Lord, because you have said in your word if anyone, anyone, anyone dares to hurt one of these little ones it will be better for him to have a chain tied around his neck and be drowned. Lord, the people, the little ones are the people who believe leads to life the narrow path and it's difficult enough as it is without having people come our way and try to steal our innocence try to make the path even more difficult than it is Father God we pray that these people also be set free here tonight that every single one of us in this room will do everything in his or her power through your grace to make sure that we live free lives Father God we need you we really need you